Welcome to Big Bones, Thick Skin, the podcast that talks to marginalized actors about their experiences in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Claire Alpern. This podcast is near and dear to my heart because I am a plus-size actress and have had to navigate a very specific journey in the acting world. Here, I'll be holding space and having conversations with other plus-size actors, as well as those who identify as trans, Black, Asian American, queer, gender non-conforming, tall, short, old, young, and more, to tell their stories and share their feelings of being mis- or underrepresented in entertainment. We want it to change. We want to see everyone represented, but we need to talk about it first. And this is the first step in doing so. Welcome to Big Bones, Big Skin. It's our responsibility to acknowledge that the land where we live and produce is occupied land. Chicago, Illinois is the territory of the Potawatomi, the Kickapoo, the Miami, and the Peoria peoples. We pay our respects to elders, both past and present. My next guest is someone that I met through Broken Nose Theater here in Chicago. Um, First as a casting director, then as a director, and then as an actor. When I put out a call for people's stories for this podcast, she immediately... (laughs) raised her hand and had plenty to say. She also co-hosts a podcast with her friend Jackie called Weighted Blanket Happy Hour, the anxious comedy podcast. She is a beloved Chicago storefront theater casting director, has cast for multiple Jeff Award winning and nominated productions, and is currently at Broken Nose Theater and the big sister you never had. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Julia Skeggs. First, I should thank you because when we, when I interviewed you before mm-hmm. and you were talking about uh, working with a therapist on your body dysmorphia and eating disorder, that triggered something in me where I was like, huh, I wonder if what I've been struggling with my whole life is not something that's wrong with me, but could be an eating disorder. And I am currently in treatment for my disordered eating and working with a nutritionist. Like I have two two therapists and a nutritionist and it's, uh, oh my God, it's a long time coming and it totally is so, I, I mean, it's incredibly painful but I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm That's so awesome. grateful that you even like <laughs> clued me in. I mean, I know, I know it wasn't a fun thing to talk about, but um, man, I really needed this. Yeah. Yeah. Any, I'm, I'm so happy for you. It is, it literally is life changing. You just, you get so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's especially painful in the, the first couple of months. Cause you're just uh-huh. like, I, it's like when you look in the back of your car and you're like, there's not that much junk back there. And then you start digging and you're like, Oh, there's a lot of crap <laughs> under these seats. <laughs> I have just been pushing away and not feeling yeah. or acknowledging. Totally. Um, 
Yeah. But it's so right too. Like, and I think especially like as women, as we are, um, internalized to be perfect, to, you know, be the example, to be the best version of ourselves. So if we get to sad, if we get depressed, if we start using vices as coping mechanisms, then there must be something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. It must be something that we're not doing. I didn't even know that just binge eating, that overeating was an eating disorder until I was an adult and I'm reading all the signs and symptoms. And I was 15 years old when I started doing that. And I thought Mm. I was just being lazy and Mm. that just created a shame spiral Mm-hmm. A never-ending shame spiral and just perpetuated the behavior over and over again. And right. no one around me understood what it was going on with me too. And thus would make me feel even more guilty because then I felt judgment. I felt like I was being watched. And then I had to totally uh, rebel in secret. Yeah. Oh my, yes. That's your uh, speaking my language because that's exactly what I've been dealing with since... I don't even know, maybe since I was like 10. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's been such a short source of shame. Um, And anytime I kind of revert back to it, it brings so much more shame, you know, it just amplifies all of that, that it's so nice to be, I mean, like the fact that I can even talk about it and talk about like exactly what I would do to people that are like, mm-hmm, I understand. I am. That's it. Yes, that's right. So let's let's talk about it. Let's look at it. And it's like, you mean I don't have to feel bad about this? It's crazy. It's so crazy, and it's and I. It's so liberating. And um, thank you, thank you. It's meant a lot to me. Yeah, because it's informed my entire life. Good. Good. <laughs> you described yourself to me as a big booty girl, <laughs> which I love, which I love because yeah, that's like, yeah, have a big she booty is. girl. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> she is. Uh, I've, had, I've had a few fans, uh, you know, without my knowledge, but you know, everyone finds out eventually call it pride rock. That was a <laughs> common nickname for it in a, uh, Oh, dear. School. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that when people wow. come up to me, they're like, by the way, do you know you have a big booty? And I'm like, no, where? What? No. Where is it? Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my oh. God. All the time. Like, I really do that? And then they're like, oh, my gosh, really? like, how lucky are you? And I just go through this Rolodex of all of the awful nicknames and teasing that I have been going through since I was 13. And I'm like, I understand that to you, this is a compliment. But to me, it's a trigger to all of these horrifying, embarrassing moments that have resulted in body dysmorphia, eating disorders, um, just just a plethora of things that I've only recently been working through in therapy. And so sometimes, like if it's every once in a while, and especially if it's someone who like, is just off the street or like I'm working with one. So I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Thank you. Yes. 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 My boyfriend enjoys it a lot. Ha ha. But when it's like, like every other time I see someone, they're like, Uh girl, your butt. Like, Oh my gosh. Like what? I'm like, can we get over it? Like, (laughs) 
Yeah. Can we move? Yeah. Can we move on? Yeah. It's like, it's going to be there forever. And it's also happens to be my body. Like just cause it's, you know, visible doesn't mean we have to keep talking about it. Um, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I believe you said that you started acting around fifth grade in theater camp. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Tell me a little bit about that. And then we'll kind of go into how the two met the two, the two parts of your life. Well, it all started because I have terrible hand-eye coordination. Really? So sports was out of the picture. I know. And what a waste. Because, like, I was the tallest in my class. And everyone was like, oh, she should play basketball. And I would just get hit in the head every day in gym class because I just... Again, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I so I did choir, quite like I did my church choir. That was a safe right. non-contact activity <laughs> to participate in. And my parents asked the choir director, like, hey, like she really likes performing. She's really into music. What do you suggest we do? And they suggested a couple of theater camps in our community. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going and I went from like being shy, ultra sensitive hardly like small friend group to like all of these people just being like, Oh, you're weird. You have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Come on over. (laughs) Come on in. (laughs) Bring it, fly that freak flag. And, and I, and I have been (laughs) ever since. (laughs) And so, you know, take me, take me through the years from that moment on. Cause I know, you know, you did some more acting and then you did some casting. So let's talk a little bit more about that and kind of what that was like for you. I think I first became really aware of how I needed to change my body when I was a senior in high school and some other kid, some other senior said to me, you have to either be 30 pounds over where you're at or 30 pounds under. You can't be where you're at right now. She wasn't saying that directly to me because she was also, you know, a, a, a bigger girl. And it was like, yeah, if you're 30 pounds over, then you can be a character actor. If you're 30 pounds under, then you can be the ingenue, but you can't be in between. Mm. That's when I first became aware of that mentality, which... Right. I think everybody in the theater or performing program has heard. Yeah. And, and I and sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I would no. like to say that at that age, I'm sure hearing the words ingenue and character actor, clearly one was way more desirable than the other. Nobody yeah. wants to be a character actor at that age, or even a lot of people older. It's all about being the ingenue being because that's when you're attractive and beautiful and people desire you. So, right. uh, that's important to note too, that like, oh, it's not like, they're not equally balanced goals here. Um, no. And they shouldn't be goals, period. But anyway, no. go on. No. I remember auditioning for a school's theater program and they explicitly said, we only bring on lead actors. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> these fucking what? white men running these programs need right? to go. <laughs> Go and I'd like to, to see to you do a production with only lead actors. Like, how is that going to work? Or just like a school of just lead actors. Again, it comes to that point of, and like, this is was this was my joy as a casting director was, what if what if we did not care what who was a character, a lead, a supporting, an ingenue, and what if we just like, you know, like actually thought about the story that we were telling. Yes. And not what would make it easier for the audience. Yes. 
who right? does not look like that. Who no, does they not don't. Look like that at all. They don't. Especially it's, now. No. So when I was in college, I gained the freshman 50. Five O. Wow. Thank you, dorm food and the eating disorders and the stress of going to college, being away from home, being around shitty people. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was a sophomore when I landed the lead for um, our school's production of a musical. It was South Pacific. So I was going to be mm-hmm. Nellie Forbish. I was mm-hmm. so excited. Mm-hmm. And the director who was a woman said to me, you need to tone up a little. How did that make you feel? She, I was like, she's right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, yeah, like I'll be more comfortable on stage. Like I'll be more of a, an ingenue leading lady. I'm too character right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and, and I know that she had every good intention because again, these were the tools that she knew back from her yeah. training. I don't mm-hmm. blame her for it. But that's where it came up. Right. Because God forbid that a 180-pound woman be the lead yeah, in a story. Especially, but, but which makes no sense because that is who she cast. Yeah. That is who she said should be this role. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I would love to cast her a little more toned up. Therefore, I'm going to cast her and then tell her to go to the gym. No, you cast... A 180, 170 pound woman who could do the fucking role. She didn't tell you. Yeah, I bet you did. She didn't (laughs) tell you to go like, oh, you've got to tone up your vocal cords. Oh, you've got to like go and get like, I mean, I'm assuming she didn't. Um, But you know what I mean? Like that's... And and sorry, this is just my outrage. um, No. I'm really... Nowhere. And like, let's even look in the script. Let's even look in the script. Nowhere in the script does it mention that Nellie Forbish is skinny. Right. Nowhere in the script does it talk about her body. Right. So then who gives a crap who you... Yeah. We, we put in that role. Right. Um, I know this now as a casting director, but I didn't know it back then as, you know, a terrified theater student desperate for any work that she could get her hands on at whatever cost. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and uh, also probably yeah. looking for feedback as to what she needs to improve. Cause clearly yeah. she can't be perfect the way she is. no, no, mm-hmm. we're never perfect as women, but mm-hmm. I, I can guarantee you the guy that they cast as uh, Emil, the love interest, they mm-hmm. tell him to lose weight. Did they mm-hmm. tell him to buff and tone up? Mm-hmm. No, Mm-mm. no, they didn't. Uh, if anything, they made him look older because, you know, Emil is supposed to be this, you know, attractive, right. older cultured gentleman. Yeah. So, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with that musical now. No <laughs> I have a lot shit. of issues. I have a lot of issues now with that God musical. Damn you, Nelly Forbush. <laughs> How dare you? And to um, be fair, and anyway, we're not going to talk about South Pacific or Rogers Hammerstein. We're here to talk about body dysmorphia. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then my junior year, um, it was the summer. It was the it was the end of the year, so I was having my end of the year uh, feedback session with the theater department, which was all white men, mm. and. And the, um, our movement professor who was going to be teaching stage combat in my senior year, he says to me that he was concerned that the 
the way he said it, the, 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 the bearing of my body wouldn't be able to manage stage combat. What? Mm. Which jokes on him because that ended up being like my best class <laughs> in theater <laughs> well, and good. ended up being one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite tools to continue learning. I love stage combat. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And I did get in shape, but I didn't get in shape for him. I got in shape because I finally discovered how much I enjoy being an active physical person mm -hmm. because for the first time in my life, I wasn't bleeding out my eyeballs of schedule and things like I had a very chill senior year. I got all of my, you know, gen eds out of the way. I only was in a couple of shows here and there. I had so much free time and mm -hmm. I just was able to finally dedicate it to myself. And then guess what? The weight just fell off. Isn't mm. that funny? Isn't no. that funny? When and that's they were all not like, your goal. Yeah. And they were all like, oh my God, like you're so different now. You're so changed. You're so edgy. Like it's like, it's so great that you finally like, you know, found yourself here and like giving themselves credit. Oh Just my like, God. No. <laughs> found yourself. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you find yourself at 22 in your university mm -hmm. bubble in the cornfield. Once yeah. you lose uh -huh. weight, yeah, once you lose weight, then you've found yourself. Oh, yeah. clearly healthy now. Um, so did it did it end there? Like the the feedback on your body? No, I mean, I I recall when I moved back to Chicago, I was doing a show that took place in like the 1980s. And I was playing a high school student. And we gave the costume director our measurements beforehand. So he mm -hmm. should have been able to see that hip waist ratio. That yeah. tiny itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I'm not a costume designer. I did not major in that, but I know that a larger hip woman, A-line skirts. <laughs> right. High-waisted right. pants. Right. No pet. And all that he came with for us to try on that day, pencil skirts. Really? Pencil skirts. <sighs> All the wrong size, by the way. Like really? at the time, I was probably like a 14, 16. Mm -hmm. He brought like eight tens. Oh, for God's sake. And I was just like, are you trying to get me to cry right now? Are you trying to get like, there was, you should have known. And I don't, I don't even remember this person anymore. I don't know if they were that great of a costume director, but like he didn't mean any malice towards me or militia. This was my brain telling me that I felt ashamed that yeah. I couldn't fit in these clothes when really it was just the dude didn't bring any clothes that fit me. Right. He's going to have to come back another day. But I was still in a place of like, I'm not doing enough to be mm -hmm. thinner, to be smaller than mm -hmm. this. My body is wrong. Not the clothes. When right. in fact the clothes were wrong and not your right. body. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um I, yeah i did get one or two um gigs uh if we want to take it to the the body image stuff like i yeah. did got i did get to do one like modeling shoot they just needed a female to stand and have a picture of a plain black t-shirt taken of and mm -hmm. I, I i this was a couple of years ago but i i went i did it i had to go all the way out to indiana to do it was like oh, you know yeah. hour and a half two hours from where we are yeah. but it sounds dramatic when i say i had to go out to indiana <laughs> and i looked at all the way to mid yeah. oh my god <laughs> mileage um 
<laughs> and I was back on that that job board the next day, and I saw that they were asking for someone to come out and do it again. And I was in oh, my head no. of like, is it because I was bigger than they thought that it was going to be? Like, why, why, why do we need? Mm, I still got paid, so whatever whatever that's good yeah that's good like why did you go there with the reason why they might not have liked you why did you go straight to it being about your body i remember during the shoot they were like having issues with lighting and they Mm. kept asking me to adjust my my black t-shirt which was one that i had bought i had brought my Mm. own so that Mm. like I had costumed myself. I was like, yeah, no, this looks great. And they were struggling to find a shot for a basic setup. Interesting. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Did they, did, hmm. did anybody yeah. say anything specifically about your body? No, they don't need to, do they? No, mm-hmm. they were polite about it at least. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and when you have that inherent voice in your head saying that the first thing that people are going to see is your body, of course, that's where your mind goes. And, you know, so many times during auditioning, you know, you see all these other uh, people who are a similar type to you, but they're different sizes. And you're and you can't help but wonder, like, did they get chosen because of their size? Did they get chosen? Like, I'm also a tall girl. I mean, five foot nine, but you know, my, whenever I wouldn't get the lead in shows, my mom would be like, Oh, well that's because the guy that they cast as the love interest is shorter than you. Yeah. He has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I hate that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I just, cause God forbid first, first that it's wrong. First of all, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. there have been many a short men that I have been attracted to and have had chemistry <laughs> with. So God forbid that we try yeah. to update what that looks like no we gotta exactly. we gotta do what's comfortable to the audience we have to have the guy be bigger than the girl the girl has to be short and demure and like has her body under control just to reflect her ingenue of like uh, restraints or whatever like god forbid that we do something different um and make people get out of their um, quotation mark comfort zones of what that looks like Ooh, i should add height to my list of categories of people who could talk on this podcast it's another one it, it really it really yeah, is that's not something i would ever think of it's it's a thing that's it's yeah. a thing um, yeah yeah and it's, and it's, and it's yeah i would imagine it's something i literally have no control in my in my height i exactly and i don't want i like being five yeah. foot nine and again like i can see myself with guys that are shorter than me <laughs> exactly if i'm okay with it you should be okay with it well, I, I know that there was a certain point you had mentioned to me and you know and other uh conversations where you started getting into casting which is kind of what turned you off of acting so after a year of being back in chicago doing the same thing that i was doing New York City, which was just working in a restaurant to the bone and hardly having time or energy to do the acting thing. I just, I had a quarter life crisis Mm -hmm. of like, I was literally 25, 26. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm not happy. Um, I'm not going to be happy. I I just, after years of doing, if I couldn't make this happen, be happy in New York City doing this, how can I be happy doing this in Chicago? And I just, I had this epiphany of like, okay, I want to work in casting. I want to work on the other side of the Mm -hmm. table because then I will have more control in what I do and I will have the opportunity 
to bring in people who wouldn't be the first choice or wouldn't be the first to come to mind. Mm -hmm. And there was something to changing that mindset Mm -hmm. of when you're an artist, you're constantly asking for validation and approval and like, give me a chance. But when you're on the other side of the table, you're the one giving the opportunity. You're the one giving the people the chances. And I found that I was it worked that power dynamic was much better for me and my personality Mm -hmm. and also my anxiety um (laughs) and also it doesn't matter that at the time I had just started going to therapy and my first therapy session was just crying over everything that we've just covered in the last 30 minutes and 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 because of that I think because of finally admitting that what I am doing is not making me happy it made me start to think, okay, what else is out there? What else can I be doing? What else can I be applying myself and still get to work in this world that I love being a part of? I started doing, I did internships. I did an internship at a major uh, talent agent office here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quickly learned that I didn't want to be an agent. (laughs) Yeah. Commercial and like commercial TV and film is very different from theater. It moves a lot faster. It's very demanding. Um, it's yeah. and the, the burnout is real. And so I decided I was going to do my next internship was at a equity theater company. And I, I, I just, mm. I, I loved it. Everything about it. I loved working with theater people. Uh, the pace was a lot more agreeable with me. Um, and once again, because I had put the the random schedule of, of acting and auditioning aside to make room for this regularly scheduled yeah. casting internship, yeah. I was less stressed out. And so I stopped emotionally mm-hmm. eating and all, all the extra weight that my body didn't need just fell off. I had never wow. lost weight faster wow. in my life. And wow. yeah, and, and my, it's, it really is incredible of how, like, how many times, like, I, I'm like, I'm doing too much, but I'm doing too much. How many times I had to go through the cycles of that to realize, like, oh, this is right. the key to me taking better care yeah. of myself. Um, still took a while yeah. to get to that. I'm still working on it now. But I, I, I discovered that because casting, like, you work on your own schedule, um, you you have the freedom of how much work you take on and how much you don't. I, I found, again, that that style of, um, of working was a better right. fit for me and my personality. And then also to the reward of, of getting people into the room that weren't on these directors radars of, of, of saying to the director, like, Hey, Romeo and Juliet, can we do something different, <laughs> yeah. please? Can we please like be more creative in the kind of people that we bring in and the types of people that we, because like, if we keep perpetuating the same, like, like yeah. big man, small girl, like we're not white going to this. Pro- yeah. The white sis. Yes. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to learn anything from this story that we haven't already learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found, and then, yeah. And just, yeah. Being, yeah. being the one to give opportunity to people that they didn't have originally and seeing those people grow and get to a point where I can't bring them in the audition room anymore because they're too fabulous <laughs> they're for my, too they're too yes. good for my pay rate. So you've talked about your body and your (laughs) relationship with your body and, um, you know, and your depression and your anxiety. Do you, is there a direct correlation between the, your anxiety and depression with, with like your body? If you don't want to, you don't, you don't have to answer any 
that mm. I ask unless you want to. So just know that. Oh, oh, do I? Okay, good. Oh, I'm do I? Do it. No. And again, like, I'm so glad you're starting this because it's making me think about like, what am I passionate about talking about? Mm. And it's, it's, I mean, if there's something I know a lot about, it's anxiety. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised how many of my friends, especially in theater are realizing in adulthood, like, oh, I have anxiety and not just like I'm stressed out over a test or I'm stressed out having to work 50 hours a week. But there are, I describe my anxiety as a broken record in my head and it's hard to get the track to move on or to even like take the disc out and put something else on. And that's what therapy has been helping me with. I started going to therapy uh, about five years ago because yeah because I was depressed I was like I had just been broken up with some situationship and I couldn't quite spring back and um I my I, I've been talking about my, my eating disorder I am an overeater um which is relatively new in the study of hey hi hi welcome to the club yeah high five hi uh, <laughs> nice yeah to meet you. <laughs> I remember being in high school and looking up like um uh, bulimia and like binging and and there wasn't yet a word for overeating because I was like well I binge but I'm not I'm not throwing up yeah. and um you know right. only recently right. over oh my god is that what it's called overeating yeah. Right. That's fancy so that. Fancy that. But again, again, it's like this, this great, like, God forbid you have some aspects of one, but not another and live in the gray area. And then I guess, well, I guess you don't have yeah. an eating disorder. Um, but luckily my, my therapist right. is, is, oh my God. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry that you just really just rock. I love rock seeing my world. Yeah. Honestly. I mean that honestly, like that really, uh, that really Anytime. rocked my world <laughs> because it's true. Like there's, there are all these gray areas and if there is not a label or a category for your situation, then there's clearly something wrong with you. If it hasn't been categorized and researched and given a specific name, well then clearly yeah you're living wrong and you don't know what, you know, what you're doing. Um, and that's the default for me at least. And I'm sure a lot of other people. Um, so let, yeah, so keep talking about this. Keep, this is really amazing. I was in a dark place. I wasn't happy with my body and I thought because I wasn't happy with my body, that's what was making me depressed. Uh, I feel really lucky that, um, one of my closest friends who I worked with at the restaurant, she had started going into therapy and she was like, she's like one of those cool girls. And you're like, are you sure you want to be friends with me? You're like too cool for me. And she's like, I'm not cool. And I'm like, all right. So I was like, well, if she's going to see a therapist, yeah. if she's making it cool, then it's okay for me to go see a therapist. Yeah. And I was lucky to find, um, actually she recommended it to me. It was a, uh, a group that offered, um, scale mm. payment cause they have a lot of like students, people finishing up their hours. And the woman that I got paired with, she used to be an actor. She went to NYU to oh, study wow. acting and it was just, already having a person who knows that life you don't have to explain what a 10 out of 12 is yes. or why you do yes. this very toxic thing that you do who just like gets it and understands that you went to a movement class at 8 a.m with someone who touched your stomach for 30 minutes she gets mm. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um it took it took about a year to to realize that it's not that i have um i don't have an eating disorder 
that's causing my anxiety or depression. It's my anxiety that's causing my eating disorder. My eating disorder is a symptom of my untreated anxiety. My depression is a symptom of my untreated anxiety. And to bring back my point of like, I can hide my true feelings from myself better than I can hide it from anybody else. Mm-hmm. I had in my head, I had normalized being this anxious, seeing people without anxiety. I just, I was like, well, I must be doing it wrong. I must be, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to work twice as hard mm-hmm. to be as normal as other people. And I was like, no, 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 no. Your brain works differently than other people. And so, so, and again, like I was able to lose all that excess weight because I was finally able to just accept that I felt anxious about something or I was upset about Mm -hmm. something instead of being like, I don't want to feel this. I'm going to eat cheesecake instead. It was like, huh. Mm Mm-hmm kind of bothered me that this is a thing I'm going to find someone to talk to I'm going to go for a walk I'm going to find other ways to process these feelings and and again I I think that when I was less stressed out when I had less on my plate I had more free time to deal with those feelings instead of you know chowing down on a pint of Ben and Jerry's for 10 minutes because that's what time allowed and yeah and you know it's so crazy how you know, your therapist will say to you, like, well, where, when's the earliest time that you can remember reacting to this or, or feeling this way? And it's like, I don't know. I feel it now. I don't know. I guess this one time when I was a kid, my parents yeah. forgot me at a TGIF on accident and that caused anxiety. And she's like, and how old were you? And I was like, fifth grade. And she's like, and when did you start hitting puberty? And I was like, fifth grade. Oh, Oh, <laughs> hello, abandonment issues. Yeah. Um, wow. No one needs to call the cops on my parents, oh my by the way. God. It was an honest mistake. We were fine. We were fine. There was no, a no. phone. <laughs> they were just, they just went a block away. Right. Fine. We laugh about it. We laugh about it every year. <laughs> okay, good, good. If anyone's taking notes, I'm in she's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I think the fact that you can talk about this stuff, um, which doesn't mean it's not painful, but you yeah. can talk about it is incredibly healthy or on the, on its way to incredibly healthy. Um, and that's, I mean, that's also like, this is this whole thing. This podcast is, uh, a form of therapy for myself as well, because for so long, um, my weight and the role that my weight plays in my life and in the things that I love, which specifically what is affected most is acting of the things that I love um, has been such a shameful experience for me and has been something that I've carried on my shoulders because there's no way anybody else could be going through this. There's no way anybody else could be feeling this. And the more I hear from other people, even if it isn't completely a mirror of my experience has been so helpful in trying to release some of that shame and some of that guilt um, and helping me find my voice without that filter of shame and body consciousness and all of that stuff. So um, I'm all for ways to heal and therapy is part of that. Yeah. 
I think just being just being able to talk about it and show people like, hey, there's there's nothing to be afraid of, of having this kind of personality or having anxiety like 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 we say this all the time for for acting in theater. But the like half of the job is just showing up. It's just like pulling yourself out of bed to go to this audition across town to like, you, you know, it's just 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 getting there and being in the room and being a part of the process already already showing up for yourself is the strongest thing you could do for yourself. Everything else is just frosting after that, honestly. That's yeah, it's true. And I think I know for me personally, the more I hear about people talking about these things, um, such as, you know, overeating being a thing, as opposed to just a flaw in your character. Um, people talking about anxiety has helped me to recognize like other parts of, of my personality that like, Oh my God, that wasn't me being lame. That was actually anxiety, having anxiety and not being able to leave the house because I didn't feel safe outside. Like, and it felt safer inside, you know, like, and it just takes such a burden off of people's shoulders and it, and gives them the freedom to then explore it and figure it out and and work on it. If you can't if you feel like there's if you feel like you're broken, you can't really fix yourself. But if you feel like, oh no, it's not there's not something wrong with me. It's just something I have to deal with. Then 100%. Oh my god. Exactly. Everybody everybody needs a break. Everybody needs a break. And it's like, if you can give other people a break, you can give yourself a break. Yes, for sure. For sure. We, we forget that, don't we? Oh, so easy. Very easy. Too. So easy. Because we're, because we're amazing. Yeah. Because we're strong and wonderful. And we're supposed to be these, these you know, right. super humans who can, you know, you're, the, you're, the, you're an actor. You can act through it. Just act like you're happy. Cool. And it's like, that's the most dangerous thing. <laughs> Tell, trust uh-huh. me. Also, bullshit. it really is. <laughs> um, and how do you feel like do you, this this knowledge about your your? I don't want to call them issues, but I'm going to call them issues. How do you feel that helps inform you with the things that you enjoy doing, such mm-hmm. as casting? Um, how do yeah? How does that inform? Um, you? It's easy for me to understand why certain things frustrate me, like when I don't hear back from actors or directors um, when I'm getting close to a deadline and I haven't found anyone yet. And it's easy for me to ask myself, like, am I am I actually in the red right now, or is this my anxiety yeah. pushing me over the edge? And in a way, right. you know, like it's because I'm anxious that. I am successful. It's because I feel anxious that I reach out to more people, that I go to more shows, that I do more research. Like I, I quotation marks overcompensate because I have the worry of, of not doing enough of mm-hmm. not being enough. And, you know, knowing the line between like, Oh, I mm-hmm. have time. I have energy to do more work, to reach out to more people versus you have done enough. Close the computer, turn on Netflix. Yeah. You deserve a break. Yeah. And so like, I, I remember like when I first started out, yeah. I felt like I had so much to prove and I had imposter syndrome. Like I didn't understand why people gave me the credentials that I did to bring certain people in the room. And I felt like I had so much, I put so mm. much pressure on myself to prove that I was worthy to be in the room. And now, you know, I still have mm. that standard that I hold myself up to, but I look back on the people that I have been able to bring in the room, the kind of work that we've been able to create. And I'm like, I know what I'm doing. 
I know what I'm doing. I can trust myself. And, and I've built that foundation mm. now with agents and other actors to trust that they want to work with me. They're going to show up. They don't want to work with me. I'll find somebody else. There's, there's always, there's always somebody else out there who wants to be in the room. Um, but of course that took, that took time and experience mm. to get to. So a little bit of both. What would you say to an actor whose body doesn't fit the norm and who gets still gets a lot of that messaging now, even though a lot of more people are woke about, you know, body differences, what would you tell them now? Honestly? Yeah. Fuck it all. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Those who, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Mm. right like you just haven't when someone says gives you a critique about something that's out of your control that's just a sign that that isn't your person that isn't that that those aren't the people that you were meant to work with Mm. because Mm -hmm. there are in the vast world of the performing arts in the united states in the world there is a group of people who would love to work with you who see you more than just a person who has a different gravitational pull on the stage than other people. Right. 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 Those are the people you need to seek out. Mm. Anyone else. It's just a sign you need to keep moving. And the best thing that you can do is just work on making it your sole purpose to get the approval of yourself. Yeah. No one else. No one else. It is. It's nice. It makes life easier. Sure. But at the end of the day, you have to approve of yourself. You have to validate yourself. You have to believe in yourself at whatever point you are in your journey with your body. No one else's opinion of it matters. Grayson agrees. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Grayson. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, can I stop being on my diet now? No, because you're chonky. chonky and i want you around for 10 more years oh baba baba um yeah i think you know what's interesting is i think the reason why we still get so much feedback and hopefully it is changing and i would like it to change and i would like us to do something about it um is that this is a profession or an industry where it is still acceptable to be racist, fat phobic, ageist. I mean, it's still because they can say, oh, she was great, but she was too old. Oh, she was great, but she was too short. Oh, she was wonderful, except she, you know, we don't envision her being that heavy or, you know, whatever. And they can reject you based on that. And I'm trying to find out how we can push back on that and tell our agents, well, that's unacceptable. Like, can you tell them that that's unacceptable without like ruining our relationships with them? You know, how do we do that? 
<laughs> it starts from the top. It starts mm-hmm. from the top. I was reading on a forum somewhere. Some people were giving a, a theater maker a hard time for wanting to pay people $15 an hour for two hours to take down some lights. And it was like, y'all, it was like 60 comments, people trolling and defending this person. I'm like, y'all, do you know how much the heads of the Goodman Theater make? Six figures. They make six figures. They're in, and yet their internships are, hopefully they change, but like, I'm sure they had internships that didn't pay. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you got to look at like, yeah, there yeah. needs to be so much more grant money going towards more inclusive, progressive theaters out there. And one of the sad things about the pandemic was losing a lot of theater companies, but also now that the economy is coming back, and we can now get some newer new blood with who are more open-minded, who have more stories to tell than just, you know, focused around the white male with the perfect mm-hmm. BMI. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially what needs to happen is we need more inclusivity in our communities and we need to reward and seek out working with those types of people because if those theater companies that are not looking forwards, they're only looking backwards. If they stop getting grant money and stop getting people want to be involved with it, they're going to die out. Mm-hmm. And I wish, I wish that it was, you know, an easier solution than that, but it's not, but that's how it is for every industry that needs to evolve. Mm-hmm. And theater is well overdue for evolving. Oh, and I wish God. them the best of luck. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's where the money is coming from and then the leadership needs to be the role model yeah. for that change. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you tell actors, either actors of size um, that are coming in the room or Actors that you maybe can tell are wearing their bodies in an uncomfortable way where they're, they're not yeah. comfortable with their bodies. What would you tell them as a casting person? I think recognizing that everybody has insecurities, everybody feels self-conscious about something and finding a way to bring that to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always like my number one note of seeing someone who's bringing in that kind of anxious anxiety and asking, well, this monologue that we gave you, this scene that we gave you, where do you think this actor is coming from? Is there a way that you can channel, excuse me, there's a way that you can channel that nervous energy and put it towards the character. Because most likely, and and then how interesting is it that you have an opportunity to bring your own anxieties, your own insecurities to a role to make it more 3D? Um, I'm not interested in seeing someone who has it all together. I'm not interested in doing plays where people are perfect and have six packs. Again, there's a reason why I went into theater and not TV and film, but I'm even seeing that in TV and film. Like it's so much more interesting to see someone who is owning that they are a work in progress, that they are owning the areas in their life Mm -hmm. that they don't feel hundred percent about, or maybe they do and they don't care that the world um, doesn't see them as that cookie cutter, um, uh, ingenue or hero. Um, it's more interesting to me to see someone who owns their, where they're at in their life right now. Yeah. And who are those people for you? Like who in popular culture kind of represents that, that you can look to for that kind of 
solidity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Lizzo, duh. Yeah, I mean, I love the meme of like, like I can't let Lizzo down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Ashley Graham. I, I just, I love how open and honest she is. Uh, Chrissy Teigen mm-hmm. too, with um her experiences with motherhood and like what it's done to her body, and and even like like watching uh Amy Schumer's um her documentary about um her pregnancy mm-hmm. and just the blatant honesty of it and like just mm-hmm. no shame this is me this is my body um just seeing that's like oh i can be that open i can be that mm-hmm. honest i can and um and in real life i have my my trainer uh um caitlin Aki or Kiki Breakheart on instagram <laughs> and she like she's a fitness trainer but she's got she's got she's got a butt she's got thighs and she just she posts pictures of it she wears she wears booty shorts and she's like this is it and i am strong and i am beautiful in that and you know mm. seeing people embracing being in the work embracing the journey of uh, accepting their bodies then gives me the courage to um to do that and what would you tell um plus size actors that are feeling marginalized because of their body. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a million, it's a million dollar question. Um, I think mm. based on what I would like to hear, if I was, if I was in their mm. shoes, I would want to be reminded that you're in the room for a reason. You're getting called in for a reason. It's my job as a casting director to want you in the room. It's your job to do the work. So I, I get a lot of actors being like, I don't know if like I'm, I'm right enough for this role. I don't know if I'm qualified for this role. And it's like, I wouldn't have called you in if I didn't already think that if I didn't already have the proof mm-hmm. in seeing that. So you can, that yeah. casting is hard, a hard job. Don't do that. <laughs> Just be an actor. Don't be a casting director. Yeah. Be an actor. Yeah entertain me that's your that's that's why we're here is to entertain and tell a story and so don't be afraid to make it your own don't be afraid to own it um and to have a perspective on it that might be different than how other people's looks but that's what i'm looking for yeah own it Mm -hmm. own it own own all parts Mm -hmm. of you yeah easier said easier said than done easier said than done and if you don't want to own it and you realize like you don't want to be in acting Mm -hmm. do something else please do something else this job is just it's so painful enough to be doing um and if it doesn't bring you joy if it doesn't make you feel good of yourself at the end of the day do Mm -hmm. something else and it's it's okay to do something else it really is i feel like a lot of people just like cling to it because they want to prove to their college programs that like yes i am the pretty fairy princess in midsummer that you never saw me to be and it's like but are you happy all those teachers that yeah but are you happy? happy? Are you happy? All those teachers are gone. They've all retired. Mm-hmm. They've all, they don't care. It's not like you're going to be giving them money for their program. Like I see those people who have moved on from theater and they're like doing their own programs or um, working in like excelling in a new industry. And mm-hmm. I'm so jealous of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I can see that you are happier and I want to be happy. Yeah. Like everyone, everyone has a right to pursue that whatever, by whatever means that is. Yeah. 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 I yeah think no one ever teaches the, the value in letting go. On that note, I'm going to say thank you so much. So much. You've been, uh, you've really taught me a lot. You are, you are so welcome. You're so welcome again. I'm just, I'm so excited for you to be pursuing this and, and seeing where it goes. And, you know, the whole goal is to make this world better. 
leaving it better than how we found it and whatever it takes. One of my big takeaways from my chat with Julia is to take care of what you can control. Like she said, you're being called into the room for a reason, and that's for them to see you bring what you have to the role. There are certain things you can try to control. Um, Your preparation, getting to the audition early, if you're lucky, (laughs) being a pleasant and respectful human to everyone you encounter in and out of the room, and then walking in and doing your job. You can't control what the people in the room are thinking or what kind of day they had or what they want for lunch or what they're looking for in the role. But you can take a deep breath and do this job that you love. Julia recently posted about this specifically on Facebook and included this quote from Jeffrey Lowe, who is TheaterWorks Silicon Valley's casting director and also a playwright and director themselves. Quote, But it echoes what we as a society have been programmed to think about what, quote, beauty and, quote, normal is. Since the writers of a piece do not include body specifications in their character descriptions as often as one might think, it's up to directors and casting directors to dismantle those perceptions while finding the right performers for the story we're telling, end quote. Also, there's a lot to be said about making change starting from the top down. I am clearly not a theater administrator or executive, uh, and I have my very specific point of view, but I have to wonder, is making art more or less important than making, for example, a six-figure salary? Why are you at the top of the theater food chain? Is it to make the art or to make the money? And if it's to make the art, is there a way to forego some of that money to help the artists involved in the show feel more valued or to get more diverse artists into the room or even more diverse audiences into the theater? We're artists. Let's be creative. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Big Bones, Thick Skin. Huge thanks to Julia Skeggs for sharing her stories with us. Eric Backus for creating the awesome 80s style music. Meredith Montgomery for creating the incredible BBTS artwork. And Ian Frank for his help with editing. Help us out and subscribe for more honest, thought-provoking, and occasionally funny conversations with me and my guests. And thanks for listening. Thank you.